Welcome to the Divine and Worthy Podcast. A podcast capturing real conversation between two friends about all things spirituality, limiting beliefs, mindset, and emotional empowerment. We're your co-hosts, Melissa Kimberly. And I'm Tiffany Merriman. Join us in the journey to understanding your true self and allowing the space and grace to feel empowered and shine. Welcome back everyone to the Divine and Worthy Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Melissa Kimberly. And I'm here, Tiffany Merriman. Excited to be here today. But we also have another person here with us, um, Kylie Caldwell. Can you please um, say hello? So hello, hello. <laughs> That's me. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited mm-hmm. to have you. Um, mm-hmm. For our listeners, Kylie is one of our most favorite humans. Kylie is also our kick butt coach and mentor mm-hmm. and favorite front. Like you've transitioned mm-hmm. into the front correct category, whether you like it or not. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Best category. <laughs> um. So we thought today that we would talk about the intersection between money and abundance. And when we say abundance, like we mean abundance in all things. Everyone, when you hear abundance, tends to think of money and wealth, but we mean abundance in all things. So we thought it'd be fun because we, Kylie's kind of our go-to on this topic. So we thought it would be fun to talk about the intersection between money and abundance and accepting all parts, all pieces, every teeny tiny little shred of ourselves, like the tiny slivers of our toenails to the bigness of our whole entire energy. You know, that toenail is like my favorite example of like the tiniest parts of ourselves. And here's me. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, no, that's why it's great. Cause it's fucking gross to be like, your toenail yeah. is magic. Like right. what is more perfect than that? No. So yeah. true. Yes. Yeah. So we thought that's what we, it would be fun to. Also, I just swore. Am I allowed to swear in this podcast? Yes. yes. <laughs> FYI, Kylie is the swearing queen. So if you're not on board, pop (laughs) off right now. (laughs) No, that's totally, that's totally me. Like I just, it's like swear words are how I really, they're like exclamation points to myself. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So that's what we're going to talk about today. Just the intersection between really what accepting yourself, how that really plays into money and abundance. And then look, Tiffany and I, our conversations tend to take all sorts of like sharp lefts, hard rights, twisty turnies up the hill, down the mountain. Um, And so I'm certain that that's what's going to happen with you here as our guest as well. (laughs) That's also how I drive conversations. So (laughs) buckle up. Chaos is in the driver's seat. (laughs) So let's start off by just if you don't mind sharing a little bit about you, tell us about you. Tell us all things, Kylie, the things that you want us to know about Kylie. Okay. And maybe the things you don't want us to know, share those two. That's true. I mean, I am, I am known for just, I say all the things. Um, so, uh, I will, so I'll just kind of speak to what I do. I think that's, that's one entry point. Um, so I work as, um, uh, I work at the intersection of magic and money. So this conversation makes sense. Um, and I'm a coach and um, 
I don't love the word healer, which is a whole sidebar conversation we can have. I'm kind of like wrestling with it at the moment. But if we put some, if you put a little asterisk on it, you could say I'm a healer. Um, and I started for, I don't know, over 10 years, I worked at, in my corporate career with sales. Uh, and I was, you know, a high performing sales executive. I became a sales director. Um, I was very invested in proving how great I was to the whole world by efforting all the time. Um, and um, around the time that my kids were born, I have a five and a three-year-old. Um, so around the time my son was born, um, uh, I, something in, in me cracked. Uh, and in that cracking, um, I like rediscovered this deeper part of myself through, you know, through, through my spirituality. Um, and I started kind of just following this path of being a mystic and a seeker. And, um, and anyway, one thing led to another, and now I just do magic for a living. <laughs> but what was interesting is when I first started, what's interesting to me is all the ways in which, uh, other people have reflected back at me the space that I hold. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, I was like, I'm never doing business stuff. The whole point is I want to get away from sales. I'm going to go be a healer. I work with the Akashic Records. Let's like heal your trauma. And then everybody kept coming to me with businesses, right? Every single person that came to me, came to me around business. And I was like, oh, motherfucker. Okay, fine. <laughs> I guess I'm a business coach, right? And I was really resistant to it because I really wanted to like, I thought that I wanted to like leave that behind. Um, And Similarly, at a certain point, uh, it just kept being reflected back at me that people were coming to me for money in particular, right? There was a lot of like people just, oh yeah, like, you know, uh, not even business specific, but just like, who do you go to for money coaching? And it was me getting tagged in these kind of groups. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's interesting. I mean, I guess that is what I do all the time. And, and I share that because I think it's interesting how sometimes other people see us more clearly than we see ourselves, mm -hmm. you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, the other piece of that is that really the space that I'm interested in holding is about um, shadow, right? I could call myself lately a shadow coach, which is to say the parts of yourself that you think are messy, that you think are too much, that you think are wrong and inappropriate and are going to fuck everything up. Those are, that's where the answer lives. That's where the joy is. That's where the abundance is. That is the thing that you are hungry for. That's where your power lives. Um, and most of us are really well-practiced in cutting ourselves into a million pieces and rejecting and stuffing a bunch of ourselves in the closet. Um, and so on a similar vein in that, that's really been the space that I've been holding for a long time is like, let's come sit down, let's unpack the shadow and let's make friends with it rather than mm. control it or fix it or, um, you know, shift it from being wrong to right. Just like, let's allow it to exist and what gets, what's gets to happen in there. And so in that similar vein, I started having a lot of, I had two people, two different clients refer to me as a shadow queen. <laughs> and I was like, very true. well, that's cool. Keeping that. Um, and so, and so really, I think that's the, in this moment, that's the space that I'm interested in holding is like allowing us to feel safe in our shadow and recognizing that that is actually the, the source of our power rather than um, the problem to be fixed which is another way of saying like, you are not a problem to be fixed. And my want is to gift us all the knowing that we are not a problem to be fixed because that is where freedom lives. That is the thing we are hungry for. And I strongly believe that's the portal to everything we fucking want, be it money, love, more joy, a new house. All of those things live not by making ourselves right and correct, but by remembering that we're whole. Mm-hmm. Right. 
that there's so much that's packed into that that statement that you just said it's yeah. amazing and <sighs> that's what we've been doing together is unpacking that so like just bringing this to our audience to be able just to have like a snapshot of what has been happening is, is super exciting yeah I loved what you said mm-hmm. about how um like the parts of us that are messy and the parts mm-hmm. of us that like we maybe have been actively rejecting might actually be super powerful like Tiffany and I say that like look at the parts of you that you have judged yourself and maybe have been judged for like I know for me there's a few of them that's what they're my superpowers yeah and um I don't even know how to put words to it but starting to embrace and understand and accept and not just lean into it but like use it as like my beacon of light mm. I can't even like explain what that has done for me and ultimately for my audience for my clients for just like the people in my life that I care about that like tend to seek me out as quote-unquote wise counsel which is laughable because you guys see me in my unwise counsel ways so, <laughs> um, nice. whether you want to take it or not we're all we all want a dose of Melissa medicine <laughs> Mm -hmm. I'm just so lucky I get it like um daily yeah she does yeah it is now that the school year is starting and we don't get to talk quite as much um it's like a jibber jabber fast like the whole time you get to like catch up yeah 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 Yeah, do the catch up Mm -hmm. um okay so that's like a little about what you do and you understand and it sounds like you kind of tapped into it leaned into it yourself because of your own messy unraveling and yeah yeah I'm constantly unraveling (laughs) that's the trick I mean that's the secret right there's a point I think if you lean into unraveling enough which now I'm just going to scare everybody away but there's a point I think if you lean into unraveling enough that you realize there's never a point where we're done unraveling and um and that actually gets to be a kind of liberation is that we realize I mean, what is what is the hunger for what we might call spiritual awakening other than to allow ourselves to dissolve at the edges, right? Allow these um, trappings of mind and ego, uh, allow these kind of tight-fisted, gripping parts of ourselves to soften. Um, and I think the reason why I love this topic that you're bringing forward is that in my lived, in my experience, and I, I grew up in my um my uncle and my aunt were Zen Buddhists. And so I grew up Catholic, but I also had, they're like super close, important people to me. And I had them in my life with all of their little, you know, Zen Buddhist books and I could ask them questions. And um, so I had some exposure to that thinking from an early age. Um, And I think a lot of times when we are exposed to ideas around kind of awakening or uh, spiritual expansion or consciousness expansion, we think in terms of, um, of unhooking from our desire and therefore not desiring things, right? There's this like very stoic idea that if I am going to really be, um, pursue the spiritual path, I need to not want things. I need to not want money and 
uh, and a platform and an audience. And then on the other hand, you have this way in which capitalism has like wrapped its hooks around spirituality. And so you have this other like drumbeat of like, uh, raise your vibration and make a lot of money. That's the spiritual path. And I, I reject both of those, or I do my best to reject both of them. Each one sometimes shows up, um, you know, for me, but what I want to, uh, the space I want to hold and I want us all to be able to step into is 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 unhooking from mind and control and holding up our desire to just allow what we want to fucking flow to us mm-hmm. rather than having to um, make ourselves right in one way or the other and therefore believing that there's a part of us that's wrong. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm saying like 800 things at once. Yeah, no, it. it I mean, it makes sense to me but it's not the first time I've heard it <laughs> I mean I think this is a topic so near and dear to your heart right which is yeah. just like the toxic oh. spiritual oh my gosh you know, manifestation yeah. culture mm-hmm. yeah like the manifestation we see in the mainstream like really gets me jittery because um it's simple okay like simplifying it I'm cool with that but it's it's like simplified down to a point where like it it really comes down to like the way we see it being right or wrong and like I can do this or I can't do this it's kind of like meditation yeah people think they can they can or they can't meditate and it's it's not that true it's not true it's not it's like we we try to make it so simple and then we just make it too simple and then people think that it's it's not obtainable it's not achievable it's like something you can't do and that's that's not really true and manifestation is there's there. I don't want to say it's complicated, but there's more to it than what we think. And really, Tiffany and I just had this discussion earlier today. It's really about your belief system. Like, what do you believe? Yeah. And where do you yeah. put your intention? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, after, after we like had that conversation, I was like, you know what? Really, it's all about intention. What do you want to bring into your life? Because it's either a positive or a negative intention. And if you're putting that intention in, it's either doing it in a um, conscious or subconscious way. So even if we're like putting out, like taking all that negative out, it's still swirling around in there just because you're like, Nope, I'm not seeing it. Doesn't mean that it's not manifesting and like growing, but if like with what Kylie's saying, like, if you give it time, you get to see it, it gets to be heard. It's not going to be as loud Mm -hmm. when you like, give it its time it can go like sit in the corner and be happy and content and over there instead of being this uproaring like if you think of it as like a child like this thing it when you say yes child what's going on and you give them their time to speak they can go and happily sit down but without that they're there all the time so I think that's what you're meaning when you're saying like give them time to speak and be heard and even though it's not the most positive thing it, it will have its time and you can keep moving forward instead of it just kind of bringing its head back every time. Yes, 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 exactly. Because I mean, like your medicine, Tiffany, is so beautiful in the way you can identify like, oh, these are the unprocessed emotions in your body, right? How do we, pro- how do we avoid that, right? Okay, you know, when you were 21, you had this unprocessed thing that is packed into your body. How do you avoid that? You just allow it to exist in the first place. So anger, mm-hmm. rage, grief, resentment, bitterness, hate, like these things that we think are completely unacceptable show up and we just fucking feel them. And it turns out they don't need to last that long. Or maybe they do. Maybe they last a long time, but 
It's actually the pushing against them, the making them wrong that like calcifies this shit so that it lives in our body. It creates all of these, um, like constraints that we then energetic constipation. Oh my God. Yes. That's (laughs) perfect. Can I tell a quick story? Tiffany heard this today, but it totally is exactly what you're saying. I was sharing with her today that so about a year ago, I left my corporate job to step fully into my spiritual practice, like full time. Like this is how I support myself. Um, the last 12 months have been scary, like best decision, scariest, most intense decision ever. And so during the first few months of this, which was like fall, early winter, I was very hyper aware of like this constant, like fear, worry, doubt, fear, worry, doubt. So I was unintentionally, now I can look back, like gaslighting myself because I was like, these are, don't think this because this is, you made the right decision, right? And I realized like some of it was just where I was at and I couldn't do anything but at the time, but I was like pushing the feelings of fear, doubt away. I wasn't trying to explore them. I wasn't giving them space. And so what started to happen, I didn't realize it was this at the time. So I'm a divorced mom. I have two kids. I've shared my kids like almost their whole entire life, like only with me half the time. So that's like the norm for me. So I'm like a pretty chill laid back mom. Like I don't worry a whole lot, honestly. And I started having these very intrusive thoughts and very irrational fears about something terrible happening to my oldest son. Like he's going to get in a car accident. It's going to be terrible. He's going to get like hit in the head with a baseball and he's like going to be a vegetable for like, like these really crazy, weird, out of nowhere for me, especially intrusive thoughts. And then it dawned on me because I could recognize this isn't normally how I think. And I realized what it was is I wasn't paying attention to the fear, doubts, and worries about leaving my job and what that meant for me and my life and me being the only breadwinner in the home and all of that. It was those, that energy from those fears, worries, and doubts needing to leave my body and make themselves known, showing up Mm -hmm. in another way that was going to get my attention. And the moment I realized that's what was happening and it wasn't me all of a sudden wanting to be a smothery helicopter mom and wanting to wrap my child in bubble wrap. It was me not paying attention to the other parts of myself that needed to be paid attention to and honored and understood and given space. It stopped like as quickly as they started coming in, they stopped. So it's like, that's basically what we're speaking to. And your subconscious is like, Okay, well, she's not paying attention to fears yep. about herself. So what's the one thing she'll definitely yep. listen to? Shit about her kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And yeah. as soon as I was like, oh, this is what is happening. It it took a little bit. It continued. But I would be like, oh, I know what's happening. And then from that point forward, it stopped. And so now I'm just realizing where this other, this a very similar cycle of pattern of behavior is happening in my life now because of the deep grooves of fear and doubt and worry that I've carved in the path of my energetic body. And that is the root. Any, I mean, I hate to say like negative and low vibrational, but just junky, gunky energy, stagnant energy. That is where it gets stuck in the path that it takes in within my energetic body. Yeah. 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 What I love about what you're speaking to is like, I feel there's a way that sometimes I now feel invincible because anything that shows up for me, I I feel like I know how to meet it. I mean, 
to be clear, it's not that I'm invincible because I'm like, nothing painful ever happens. Quite the opposite. I just carry a trust in my ability to sit in the places that are dark, to sit in the places that I have previously run away from, right? Like I carry... For years, I carried a lot of shame in my body. Like that was just an, like that was the way shit packed itself into my body was like shame and abandonment, shame and abandonment, right? And so, so my whole twenties and up until my kids were born, when I had, um, you know, had to like, things came to a head, um, I was just like panic running from shame all the time. I was like a chicken with her head cut off being like, don't feel ashamed, don't feel ashamed, don't feel ashamed, right? Um, And there were really excruciating moments of having to like, I mean, there were moments where when I actually finally stopped and faced shame and let myself feel it, I was like, well, and now I die. That's the only outcome here because shame feels like death. And now I cease to exist. Cool. This is a good way to go. Uh, And I also carry the sense now, like having gone into these previously terrifying places enough times and emerged like, bigger and more vibrant and more whole, I now feel like fucking come at me, you know, (laughs) what do you got? Not actually an invitation universe. Let's be chill. But like, (laughs) so yeah, go ahead. So when you say, cause like, this was super confusing for me when I first started doing all of this, like when you say like you're, you sat in it and you did like, can you just explain, explain what, you what mean I mean by you, that? Like, yeah. yeah. Cause like, yeah. how can everybody just sit in it? Like, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah. That's such a good <laughs> question. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. I love this question. Thank you. Um, honestly, what I really mean by it is that I actually felt it. Right. Yeah, so yeah. there were plenty of times where I would be mentally aware of what was happening, but I was buffering. So I was in my mind, I was thinking about it. I was naming it. Maybe I was worrying and plotting how to fix it, but I was not actually experiencing it, right. In this case, we're talking about shame, which is especially tricky and gnarly, right? Mm-hmm. But but the same thing can be said of anger. Same way that's maybe that's a little bit more accessible, but still something we have a pretty complicated relationship with. How often do you know that you are angry? And also you're buffering. When I say buffering, I kind of mean I think of the emotions as like the water, right? The deep water. And I think of buffering as like splashing around on the surface. Mm-hmm. Right. So we find these ways to avoid actually feeling it. So we're like touching at it, we're touching it. And also we're avoiding it at the same time. This can be, you know, say something happens when you're feeling and and, and anger shows up, but anger doesn't feel safe to you. Maybe just because big intense emotions don't feel safe, or maybe because, um, maybe because you've been conditioned that anger is dangerous, or maybe because you had a parent who was dangerous when they were angry. Right. And so, so your, your operating system is like, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. So you start buffering. So that might look like disassociation, right. It was just like, la 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 head in the sand nothing to see here while you're you're this like big churning thing is happening and you're like well i don't know what you're talking about i'm totally fine 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 right it could also look like the kind of um kind of neurotic scrambling energy that can show up of like well he said this and she said this and i said this you know when you're like running through like practicing what you're going to say to someone right um and then the other thing that can happen is like the the fixing energy right of just like um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, and then this will fix it. Or if I can just say the right thing, right? And all of this energy is um, actually a protective mechanism from feeling the feeling, right? And it's a way that we can think we're tending to it, but we're actually trying to either jump out of it or smother it and fix it. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, I also do these things. I just witness when they happen, right? Like just last week, I had a moment where I was like, 
oh, I am very much avoiding anger, right? I am just buffering on the fix it controlling energy. I am avoiding feeling anger. And then I had to kind of walk myself in to how to feel so that it could move rather than just stay kind of in this stuck, um, stagnant, but frantic place, right? Because um, we all know that feeling when we're hooked into a problem, we kind of can't stop thinking about it. That That's kind of the frantic, the buffering I'm speaking about. Um, so what does it mean to drop beneath the surface into the water, into the well of the emotion? I will say my girl, Eva Liao has an online course called Emotional Alchemy. That's a really good example of like how to walk through this. So if people mm-hmm. want some handholding, but for me, it's all about the body. Like my body is, feels things. My mind thinks and tells stories, but my body feels things. And so there's a really simple invitation to start asking yourself, okay, I know anger showing up. How does it feel in my body? And just notice like, oh, my chest feels really tight. Oh, okay. And then for a moment, and maybe it's only available for a moment in the beginning, right? But for one moment, just witness that tension, witness that like t- that um, constriction without fixing it, without making it wrong, just observing what does it feel like in my body to be angry, right? And maybe there's another physical sensation shows up or or maybe you start to have tears behind your eyes and you go to the tears behind your eyes or whatever it might be. But when I speak to sitting in it, it's dropping beneath story because story is the tool of our mind and dropping into the experiencing, which for me all happens in the body, because I feel like the body is also the portal to this deeper, wiser, ancient me. Mm. Does that answer your really delicious question? Yes. That, yes. Cause I always be like, okay, well, what do what? Okay. I, cause I feel like a lot of people think playing in the water mm-hmm. is feeling because yeah. we're dealing with it, but we're dealing with it in our head and not in our body. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're still having them thoughts of like, okay, I have to like fix this, or this is what I should have said, or how am I going to replay this and make it better? That's playing in the water. Yeah. Yes. And, and again, I do that too. I just try to observe, okay, I'm just like, I'm on the surface. I'm not all the way in. And can I, can I pull myself in or can I fall in a little bit more um, without being like, fucking dummy, you're just on the surface. You're bad at this. Right sometimes shows up. I'm not always nice to myself. Right. But, um, and, and the reason that I love this is not because I'm like keen on torture, but because what happens, um, is again and again and again, I find that it, that the emotions alchemize, right? Like, so I will be hooked into an, I'll be hooked into a story, whatever triggered my anger. And I'll be kind of hooked in and I'll feel anxious and worried and neurotic and thinking. And, I drop into the feeling and I give myself a moment of feeling it and the hooked in feeling starts to dissolve. Yeah. The like the kind of neurosis scrambling energy starts to starts to dissolve and the anger actually starts to feel safe and Mm -hmm. I don't even have to react to it. Right. I might, I might feel long enough and then say, okay, there's something I need to say or something I need to yell, but, but, um, but for me, what I find is like in my body itself, it feels like spacious up for me. It's always in my heart. It feels like this, like, uh, the best way I can describe it is it's like when you drink a really 
perfectly crisp glass of water and that kind of like cool feeling in your body. It's mm-hmm. like that yeah. feeling in my heart when I'm sitting in even the gnarliest of emotions and I can give myself enough space to sit in them without making them wrong. I watch them transform into experiences of real transcendence yeah. again and again and again. And so that's why I believe in this medicine so much is because I've watched my whole life turn upside down by realizing, oh, what if anger was a portal to love? How about that? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes I, it's fucking I mean, hard and sometimes I hate it. And I'm like, why did I pick this medicine? Fuck me. I hate this. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but truly like my, my thing is like, they're a lesson. Emotions are lessons. And mm. if we don't allow them to just like give you a little bit of a lesson, they're going to sit there until you listen. Yeah. And that's more uncomfortable. So I think that's just, it, it just is another way of thinking of emotions as learning. Yeah. And and now you know what your body feels like when it's angry or mm. when it's frustrated right. or when it's shame. And you can like be like, oh, well, this is what, okay, mm. I, I've been here before. This and is- every time you do it, it gets a little bit, maybe, maybe not, but, but it gets easier to feel the feel and to move through it. Because the first time you do it, it's, you're just going to be like, oh, this really sucks. And that's okay. We're yeah. okay with that. Because yeah. A, you noticed that you were in a space that needed to be looked at and it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Move yeah. on. And then next time you can go a little bit deeper, but it's in the realization that it's happening and that you can like do something about it. Got you Now you have power because you yeah. can do something mm-hmm. about this emotion that you never knew you could have a power over it had I have power so over many you. things to say so many I, I... <laughs> first thing exact, exactly to tiffany's point i had this conversation with a girlfriend about her kiddos that are younger than mine i have like a college student and a middle schooler <clears throat> we often don't really understand the emotions that we're feeling and the right language to use for them. Brene Brown has a delicious book, Atlas of the Heart, just as the docu-series on HBO Max about it. If you haven't watched it or read it, do that. Because she talks about why the language that we use for our emotions are so important. And there's a difference between overwhelm and feeling anxious. Like overwhelm is like anxious, like times a hundred and anxious is just anxious. And not saying that anxious is like nothing but overwhelm is way worse and so if we always are walking around saying i'm overwhelmed i'm overwhelmed i'm overwhelmed now our nervous system and our body like flips into like what we do when we're overwhelmed kind of thing so um we often what i love about what you said tiffany is is we really often don't know what we're really feeling and we throw a label at it or we throw like, oh, last time i felt this way these were the things that happened and we just like throw past experience at it and then that just like, it's like adding fuel to a bonfire sometimes, as opposed to just sitting in it. Um, The other thing- Can I add something to that point? Yes. Okay. I don't want to like throw you off your groove. I just, Brene Brown is a goddess and she she really helped me distinguish the difference between guilt and shame because for, for, for years and years and years and years, I walked around, I was like, oh, I have such an issue with guilt. I have such an issue with guilt. Like my friends would be like, oh, you're that Catholic guilt. And then I read one of her books where she separates guilt from shame. And I was like, oh, it's not guilt and shame. Right, because guilt is the idea that um, I've done something bad and shame is the idea that I am bad. 
So I was not understanding the severity of what I was like feeling in my body because it wasn't like, oh no, I paid that bill late. I made a mistake. It was, oh no, I paid that bill late and I am a terrible human being who will never be loved. And once I could, once to your point of like, once I could label actually experiencing, I could start to show up for myself differently because I understood myself with more depth and clarity. So yes, Brene Brown forever. And also I love your point about language. Okay, carry on. Yeah, another great example to that, like the guilt and shame is um, being nostalgic and like having fond memories. So being nostalgic, because it gets, like we apply nostalgia to like things we love, holidays, family traditions. Nostalgic is getting actually caught up in the past in a quote unquote, using my air quotes here, um negative sort of way like you long for it you want to go back to it you get hung up there that's where you stay stuck and like can't move forward in life whereas a fond memory is looking back and being like gosh when I was eight that Christmas was so delicious and I would love to be able to recreate that and I'll try, try my best like there's a difference between the two so yeah that was like another example I that I really loved because um sometimes nostalgia really does like we think it's like a fond thing and but there's it, grief. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. Um, as you also, as you were talking about um, the buffering and the feeling, the feelings, it reminds me of realities about hunger and being hungry. So I did like a three day fast. It, it didn't, I didn't intend it to be three days, but when you take into consideration that in a 24 hour period, there's at least 10 to 12 sleep-ish early morning late night hours where you're not eating anyway right and here's one of the things I learned during that period that um way I think about food way more like in a way nor more neurotic way than I'm happy to admit but I learned that but also I learned that like most of the time my hunger is a mental brain thing mm. and not actually my body physically calling for nourishment and so it kind of rem- what you were talking about, like feeling the emotions and understanding them and all that sort of thing. It reminds me of that. And so what I learned was, is if you're really hungry and you give it three to five minutes, if you're still hungry after that three to five minutes, you're still feeling that way, you probably really do need to eat something. But if in three to five minutes, your mind has like wandered off to something different, then you're not really, you're not really mm. like physiologically hungry. You are really psychologically hungry. And, and craving something. So that kind of reminded me. And so me then you can ask yourself like, okay, well, mind, yeah. what do we actually want? What's yeah. the actual what is happening? If it's not for food, right? Food could be a substitute, but mm-hmm. like, oh, is it affection? Are we lonely? Are we, you right. know, whatever. I've been thing. triggered. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I never went th- like, yeah. It's like very how easy would that be? Yeah. Like, Drink water first right and then ask yourself <laughs> what you need. And those two things will usually lead you to different answers than actually putting something in your face hole. That's what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Basically the way I would wrap up what you were saying is like when we feel emotions, when we're feeling things, any sort of thing, really be inquisitive Mm. and curious about it and like try to understand it and do it from a place of as much no judgment as you can give yourself, which is definitely a practice. It is never a mastery. It is definitely a practice Um, because there is no right or wrong. That's where we end up on the slippery slope of self-gaslighting is like, I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't feel this that strongly. 
um, all the shoulds. That's the whole, the shoulds is a whole nother slippery slope, but. So, okay. That's exactly where I I wanted to go next. So we're just like passing the baton so excellently. So Tiffany talked about our emotions being lessons. And I really love that. Like they have these, like they're, they're just speaking to us. Right. And we tend to make them wrong. So instead of hearing what anger has to say, we're like, you dummy, go back in the closet. So the, the shift that can happen when you're like, Oh, what do you actually have to say to me is huge. And on top of that, what I would say is your emotions are this are indistinguishable from desire. And how do we, to go back to the original question of like, how do we quote unquote manifest in the world? How do you create in the world? It's your fucking desire. Here's the reality. There's desire and there is a thing, there, there is the creation of that thing. In the moment that you desire, it exists. In the moment that you your desire sparks, the thing exists. And then we throw up all of these barricades and boundaries of ways that we make ourselves wrong, yep. ways that we should on ourselves, to use your term, ways that we reject ourselves, our desires, our emotions. We are so practiced in self-rejection that it is instantaneous, right? And so to me, the like fast track to both, to having the thing that you want and being able to actually sit in it and relish it and enjoy it is to allow everything to exist, all of your emotions, because your emotions and your desires are the same thing. I can't even count the number of times that I might be speaking to someone, like a client and say like, okay, what do you want? I had one client in particular that in the very beginning was working together. I'd be like, you're going to hate this. And I'd be like, <laughs> what do you want? She's like, fucking A, Kylie. Like, she doesn't say fucking A, that's a New England thing. But she was just like, I fucking hate that question. I don't know the answer, right? Um, because it had been so ingrained for her that desire wasn't okay, that her desires were wrong. I think another thing that we do is we like accommodate our desires, right? Like, okay, maybe you want to be fucking huge, but that seems inappropriate. So you're like, but I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll take a little bit of what I want. Right. And uh, our desire is the magnet. Our desire is the fire. Our desire is the thing that creates everything that we want is born out of desire. And we can't tell what we want. We can't give ourselves permission to want, and we can't actually experience the potency of the desire if we are continue to be so wrapped up in making ourselves wrong and making ourselves wrong and making ourselves wrong. And so to me, the practice of feeling your fucking feelings and making no thing wrong is the practice of creating everything you fucking want. They're indistinguishable. They're, it's the same practice. So like bonus points, enjoy your life more and then have what you want. Um, and like live your life more, right? Because I think the one other thing I will speak to can you tell how fired up I'm speaking so fast <laughs> when I was a sales rep I was by one of my territories consistently was the south and I would be like oh let's slow it down <laughs> and they still laughed at me they were like even your slow is so fucking fast so fast that's what um I but um the one other thing I will say around all of this is you know, we want joy, we want ecstasy, we want we want to experience the deliciousness of our life. And also, we can only feel as deep as we're willing to feel. You can't feel, at least as far as I can tell, you can't feel deep, radical, incredible joy and ecstasy if you are not willing to also feel deep anger or deep grief mm. or like witness the depth of your fear. Like, like you can only go as deep as you are willing to go deep there. You don't get to separate. And so the practice of giving myself space to feel whatever I need to feel is also the practice of finding safety in the depth of joy and mm -hmm. allowing myself to actually experience how loved I am, which turns out 
it's more complicated than we think it is to just feel love. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I really believe in this practice because it builds for a more delicious life. And also it is the way that you create everything else, all these like manifestation rituals and requirements and steps, yeah. like if they, if they help you feel powerful and you enjoy them, great. But like, you're not required. You don't have to like make a vision board unless you like vision boards. You don't have to like, remember when I was first starting, I like, it was like, write your desire 55 times, five days a week. And oh like, my I did gosh, it for I've done that one. We, we probably followed we, the same people along our yeah, path. We've all done that one. I lasted like two days and I was like, oh no, I forgot. I'll never get the thing. <laughs> right. Like I never started. Cause that was just like too much for me. <laughs> I'm like, wiser no. than all the rest of us. Yeah. But like, you don't need those tools. You again, if you see them as tools to like help you play the game of feeling powerful, great, right? Like, so. they can't but, be crutches. But they can't be the thing that lives outside you as the answer. Yeah. yeah. I like to call I stuff like that sometimes permission slips. Mm. Because sometimes we need permission slips to like get our our human brains and our conditioning wrapped around something. So like if you need permission slips, if you need the training wheels for a little bit, great. Let's not, let's like, let's grow, let's grow through that then. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah, see it as a tool. Because it's like, but, but that's how we, we're raised is you need to have permission to do everything. You have mm. to learn how to do it because you can't trust yourself. Mm. You don't know it unless mm. someone else tells you, you know, like that's, that's our humanness of like learning. Like think of like going to school, like you can't be you, you have to like learn how to be you and like how to confirm form and configure into this space so you can be accepted right yeah. you're not usually accepted uh, as who you are and like they don't say oh yeah your intuition is awesome like bring that out more they're like nope this is how you spell a word and this is how like you know like yeah our our ourness is taken away and then the Condition. what they want us to be yeah. the programming yeah. is inputted that's yeah. why when you work with like coaches that operate, work, think, function the way that we do, you hear terms like holding space. I want to give you permission. How about you allow? And allowing is like another word for like surrendering, in my opinion. That's why we use those words a lot because oftentimes what I've learned from my own experience and then definitely what I see with clients is they, it's, it's pe people are just looking for permission that they don't really need, but they need to like at least like tick the first domino over to get the whole display to unfold. Yeah. 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 Cause if you've been taught that you're wrong for your whole existence and then someone shows up and is like, there's no such thing as wrong. Like you need Like that's a big leap. <laughs> I was actually in my membership today. We did, um, uh, like a journey. So in my membership, we do once a month is like a mindset conversation. And once a month is more um, magic, Akashic journey. And then we talk anyway. So the journey today was all about like, turns out there's nothing wrong. There's nothing right either. There's just you existing. And we got out of it and everyone, like half of the people were like, I had a really hard time going deep in that. And I was like, yeah, because we all really want right and wrong. <laughs> yeah. like, we're very invested in right and wrong because a, it seems like we've been told that that's the way we create safety. And then B, most of us haven't actually had an experience of living outside of right and wrong. So we need like the mm -hmm. this incredible gift of, of space holding, of permission giving, is of witnessing and of allowing is um is 
what if you were okay? What if you weren't a problem to be fixed? Mm -hmm. And I think we are all like, I mean, this is the work that I do. This is the space that I hold. And I have a little army of people that I go to when I'm like, remind me that I'm not a problem to be fixed, Kate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I want, to, I don't know how to like language this. I want to ask a question because you said that there really is no difference between our desires and our, what did you emotions. say? And our emotions, like our like our anger and all of that. Yeah. Can you help us weave that to get together a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. I did just kind of drop that and then snowball. No, right well, into like, the next I'm thing. like, I feel like I know what she means, but do I know what she means? Mm, yeah. Okay. So uh, on one level, this is about our relationship to resistance, mm. right? And so if we want a thing and the thing instantly exists, like in the quantum, right? Then the only thing in between is resistance. So how do we practice dropping resistance? We practice dropping resistance. Mm -hmm. So by allowing your emotions to exist without making them wrong, you're practicing allowing, right? So allowing grief, allowing joy, allowing fear is the same thing as allowing $10,000 months, mm -hmm. right? It's the practice of dropping resistance between where you are and what you want what to you experience. Want. Because your emotions like, some part of you might not want to experience anger, but if it's showing up, on some level, you do want to experience anger, mm. right? So some part of you wants to experience 10K months. I use that really hating this marker. I could do my whole anti-capitalism spiel another time, but as an example that we'll throw out there, right? Some part of you wants that. And also some part of you doesn't want it. And the two are kind of like jostling it out. And so how do you practice allowing? You practice allowing. And to me, what is the like thing that is readily available all the time is what I'm feeling, which changes all the time. It's new every minute. So it's like an infinite minefield yeah. <laughs> of things to practice. Um, and there is no difference between uh, like, I mean, literally like ecstasy is an emotion that you can feel. And also it's like duh, directly tied to desire, right? But how do you... Um, you know, I think we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like, again, get it right. This whole get it right thing is very sneaky. So we will try to, I find it all the time, how I try to get right. They're not being a right or wrong, <laughs> right? Um, yes. And so for me, like, honestly, of all the things in the world, like meditation, channeling, you know, um, journey work, all of these things are part of my practice. But the number one thing is just feeling my fucking feelings. Like that to me is the most sacred practice that I have. And I really do, it brings clarity, right? So that's so, so, so one thing is just that feeling your feelings is a way to drop resistance and to learn how to drop resistance. And then the other thing is that feeling your feelings allows for clarity because sometimes, okay, so using money, for an example, say you want to, you want a business and you want a $10,000 a month. Uh, if you don't have it yet, uh, I don't like where I'm going with that. There's, there, uh, hold on, give me some, I'll just collect my thoughts. You may want it and also be afraid of it, right? You may want it and also perhaps, perhaps you grew up in a codependent environment and you're afraid of letting a bunch of clients in because you carry a story that you're going to be res responsible for all of them and you'll have to sacrifice yourself. And that seems really scary and you're not sure what to do with it. Most of us, especially if you're in the like high vibe only camp, 
will just reject the like, no, 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 it's fine. I want it. I want it. I want it. And you don't actually look at, I'm also scared of it. I want, I want five new clients. And also I'm terrified of five new clients. And what do I do with those coexisting? Well, again, witnessing what the fear might be can help you to Tiffany's point. Like this might just be a kid having a temper tantrum. And if you witness it and see, oh, oh, you're afraid of codependent behavior. Okay. Well, how do we set up? How do we trust our boundaries in our business? Mm. Oh, all of a sudden, is it easier now to allow the thing that I want because I have made myself feel safe? So, um, so clarity can show up. And then the other piece about clarity is that sometimes we think we want a thing, but it's not what we want. Right. So like I had a really amazing client show up once who was like, okay, I'm ready. I want to start a business. And we were like two weeks, three weeks in. And it was like, oh, I don't want a business. I just want to be like, my job is fine. I just want to be a spiritual person who enjoys her life. And that was really freeing and liberating for her. And we had so much fun in her container. And if she hadn't given herself space to like follow her desire, she might still be struggling to build a business that she doesn't actually want, want. but thought that, you know, thought it might be a good idea. Um, So that's some of what I mean around, Mm -hmm. there is no distinction between emotions and desires. No, that that's that's good. So one of the things I want to offer, like to piggyback and like slap yeah. an exclamation point on that, and then I have a question that mm-hmm. I feel is deep. Um, it's exactly why we talk about how life is a paradox, life is a duality, nothing is binary, and we really do live and statements as opposed to or statements. Mm. I could be really freaking scared to leave the job and still be really super excited about leaving the job. Like those two things can exist. You can know you need to leave the toxic, unhealthy relationship and also be really sad Mm. to not be in the relationship anymore. Like it it doesn't, like it isn't about an or, it's a, it really is about and statements and understanding that those two things can truly exist at the same time. And if you can allow, if you can give yourself space to not be wrong, right? Like the relationship is such a good example where we can like swing wildly from one direction to the other of like, no, this is fine. I can make it work to like, you know, oh, you know, I'm I'm totally fine. I need to just get over it. And and there is this middle path, right? To borrow and bastardize what the Buddha was talking about. Like Mm -hmm. there is a middle path. And to me, the middle path is this path of allowing, which is like, yes, and yes, I am sad. And also I need to go. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. what what tends to happen because of the rightness and wrongness and because of our conditioning is that okay, I made this decision and I know it's the right decision. One, two, three, jump and go, and then we start to have doubt and we start to be sad, and so we think that's our quote unquote sign mm-hmm. from the universe that we haven't made the right decision and we need to go back, and that's that's not true either. Yeah, that isn't always the yep. case. Maybe it's the case sometimes. But it, it, it isn't, it, it is really just an indication that you are human, a human being living a human experience with human emotions. And you're just trying to navigate it without the playbook because we're taught there's no playbook. And really the playbook is our emotions and our feelings and everything inside of us. And if we treat our feelings as a thing to be fixed, then the grief about the relationship shows up and you're like, how do I fix this? I got to go back to this person yes. or like quick, 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 find a new partner, which might not actually be what you want. Right. Yeah. And actually as painful as it might be, what you might actually be really hungry for is just like to cry, mm-hmm. to be held by someone that someone that you care that's not your ex and like grieve. Yeah. Um, and that mm-hmm. might not mean that you did anything wrong. Uh, it might just mean that you're fucking sad. Yeah. 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 
Okay, so here's my question. So we had talked about how we have the desire, but then we also are existing in this like minefield where we're having to jump and navigate and hip hop around. Um, all of our emotions, all of our feelings, all of our program, all of our programming, all of that. So do we have, where is like our home base then? Where is um, our true north? Or do we even have one? And is that more rightness than wrongness? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> How do we not get give ourselves like whiplash? Mm. How do we try to stay somewhat grounded using air quotes? Mm -hmm. um how do we try to stay somewhat grounded in what are um, keeping on the path trying to get to the goal like that sort of thing while allowing ourselves to feel the feels okay so I have a com an answer that might be comfortable and I have an answer that might be uncomfortable so I'll give you both <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> uh I think our body is home right mm -hmm. And most of us are disassociated from our body. That's been a big journey of mine and it's still a journey for me of learning yeah. how to actually be in a body. Like when I took yoga teacher training, I would joke like, I would like to just be a head in a jar, please. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like literally yoga teacher training. And I was like, nope, ixnay on the body. Eh? <laughs> nope. I feel that. Yeah. And so, um, so I recognize things. So even my comfortable answer might be uncomfortable, but I think that like our body is our home. And if we can learn to make, if we can learn to let it be home, feeling our feelings being a really beautiful way of, 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 of that allowing and that falling in, um, then, uh, that gets to be our, our true North, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, um, it will be the compass, right? Our body will tell us how we feel and that will help guide us and direct us. And we start to be in this trust. You know, if people listen to your podcast, they probably have a trusting relationship with their intuition. And so in some ways, what we're really just speaking to is like broadening the scope of intuition to include all the feelings instead of just what we might call intuition, right? Sure. Um, and so, so I think in some ways, the body is a really delicious home base and is the closest thing we have to home. And also- everything is chaos and paradox and there's no fucking home. Right. Yeah. And ultimately the invitation, which sometimes I love and sometimes I hate, again, I made a bold choice in the medicine I chose to <laughs> partake in <laughs> is like, everything is actually chaos. Right. And, 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 and I say that with a lot of reverence and I recognize that people have a different relationship to chaos than I do. Um, but when I speak of chaos, I think of like, the ocean, right? I think of like the constant churn that is to be breathing in and out and in and out, right? Everything in nature, no thing in nature is static, right? Everything is in some kind of motion or movement and it's dancing together. And also it's never fixed, right? There's no like place that you arrive. And for my, for so long, I was really fixed on like, especially when it was in my corporate career, but also when I first started my business, I was like, if I can just get to the next place, whatever the next step is, right? If I can get the next job or the next promotion or the next deal or the next yeah. client, figure out the next offer, then I will get to the place where I finally feel safe. Because what I was trying to create was like this static container where there was nothing moving anymore. But that's what death is. Mm. We don't actually want that. We think it might be safe, but none of us want to be dead. And also we could go on a side about how death is also a cycle. And so death is also not static, but for the sake of trying right. to keep this simple, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, 
the true nature of the cosmos is like is churn, is paradox, is motion. And we are the cosmic ocean and we can ride the wave and be the wave and move with the wave. And most of us have been taught not how to surf, but how to try to like control a wave. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work. That's why we're sick and frustrated all the time, right? Oh, it's so it's so exhausting. Yes. And and then it's frustrating because like the wave doesn't listen to you. And all you want it to do is this. And it's like, no, I don't know what to do. Yeah. But if we yeah. drop, if we drop control, which is its own practice, which is what the feeling the feelings ultimately is, if we drop control and should and all of these ways of like whipping ourselves, then we start to, I think, learn how to ride the waves of chaos and eventually realize, oh, I'm the ocean. And then when you fall into actually being ocean, that's the best fucking part. Yeah. Because in that space. That's where you just pluck from thin air money, right? That's the place where if you are to get like really quantum for a moment, the first invitation is to learn to just ride the wave of allowing instead of controlling. And eventually of enough riding, you begin to become the wave. You begin to have moments where you become the wave and become the wave. And when you realize that you are not distinct or separate from wave or earth or ocean or client, like, or client, then you also can, that's the part where you're like, and pluck from the universe. Next, I will have two new clients. Uh, or pluck from the universe. Next, I will have peace rather than uh, anxiety. Um, but it comes from being able to carry in your body that you are bigger than what, that you are bigger than big and you are the ocean itself. And that's real trippy on everybody. And you might have like, I might have lost people. No, I was going to say, you may need to like rewind and re-listen, but there's like value in it because uh, it's deep and it's good. You're putting words to why I hate goals. Mm -hmm. I hate goals. And for the longest time up until very recently, and I have two businesses and one of my businesses is like, I am in affiliate marketing. I'm in a network marketing company. And so goals are all you talk about. So I am definitely the black, black sheep in that business because I goals make me retch on the floor and throw a two-year-old tantrum and I hate them. And for the longest time, I felt like there was something wrong with me. I thought it was that I lacked self-commitment. I lacked devotion. I can't follow through on anything. And you have like, beautifully put words to why I hate goals because it doesn't allow me to roll with the chaos to roll with the waves of the ocean it doesn't allow me to be tuned in to my body and my intuition and my true wants and desires because the goal that I set this week may not be the goal that I want next week five months from now a year from now yeah 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 yes see here's me I'm like ah I want She's the goal. I, I shouldn't even She's say, the planner. Me. Like, here's who I was. I, I, I was completely, not really like the goal, the, if I'm not planned, I'm planning. If I'm not planning, I'm a plant. Like that is safe and security, but that's also control. And so for me to jump into like what you're saying is just like completely, utterly like terrifying. because I don't have the control and I don't know what's coming next and what if it's a big wave and it like just I'm trying to control the wave and it's not listening and I drown also you don't have to like 
there's no, if there's no goal, you don't have, there's no rush, right? Mm -hmm. If there's no goal, like if we are, if we exist in the space of goals, which is really another measurement of right or wrong uh, or pass or fail, if there's no goal and it's just a journey and an unfolding, like, great, take a hundred lifetimes to, till you're the wave, you know, you don't have to actually have it quote unquote figured out today because nothing's right or wrong. It's just you in relationship to the wave and what's your relationship today is like, I kind of hate you and think I want to control you. Okay, cool. That's fine. That's your relationship today. Right? Like it's, it's, um, I mean, this is the delicious paradox, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. anyway, I'm like, sometimes So we didn't say this in the beginning, but um, Kylie has, is a co-host of a very delicious podcast that Tiffany and I love called hello universe. And in one of your episodes you talked about, and it's like totally become like my mantra that control arguably creates chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like Tiffany, one of the conversations Tiffany I had this morning when we were like checking in with each other was like the day that she had in front of her. And which is the first day of a busy week she has in front of her. And so you were trying to control it. Mm -hmm. There was lots of variables in your face that you couldn't control. And so how, how was your feeling like if you had control creating chaos for you? You know what I mean? Oh, it totally was. It like made me stress out before I even needed to stress out. Like I like woke up going, oh my God, I hope at one o'clock, like this thing goes okay. And then I can like do this. And then if that works, I can make it to this podcast on time. Like so many things just that I literally had no control over um, were stressing me out to the max because like, what if it didn't work? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my God. This and- is me when I'm trying to get my, sorry, go ahead. I didn't interrupt you. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that was like, I was like this, this terrified mess this morning. That was just, I mean, I have on paper wrote down like everything I had to do and like how I'm going to try to make this time slots. And like, mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're, you're totally, and I, and I totally seen this. And I, I think I even told you that this morning I'm making, or you might even, you might've said it like you're making your own. Um, how are you creating your own suffering? Yeah, I, you're, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to control Melissa with the truth bombs. <laughs> yeah, but like, I just want to like say that again for the listeners, like our need to control sometimes thinking that that's how we're going to be prepared and how we can handle what life throws at us actually causes more chaos because we, co- we become so rigid. Just think about what happens when mm-hmm. our nervous systems are are too rigid, right? That's when we get anxiety. That's when we start to have like, illness and inflammation and we start to like make ourselves sick and we can't handle anything life because our we've just we've become a concrete wall as opposed to the um like trampoline net yes yeah yeah i think i want to because i love chaos so much i want to distinguish that everything is always chaos mm-hmm. um that that's like the undercurrent but control creates rupture which is like the real messy mm. chaos, right? The kind of chaos where you're like, and my life sucks, right? That to me is rupture. So the more tightly we control, the more rupture comes. And this is me when I'm trying to get my kids in the car to go to school. I'm like, we're going to be late. I'm always late. It's 20 minutes of leg in the fucking car, right? Like I don't swear at my kids. Somehow I still have managed not to do that. But, um, but like that is, uh, 
that to me, like that, I can feel the control and you're pointing exactly to me. Like my chest is tight. I'm an, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I'm cranky. It doesn't make us any more on time. Yeah. Um, and I think to me, there's a real, um, there's a real connection between control and attachment to outcome. Oh. Whereas order, I just want to like offer up order and like maybe distinguish. Cause I can hear the people who are listening who are like this fucking woman, but how does she run her life? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause I do know people that are like very like, and like, yeah. when yeah. I'm like, ah. right. And I do like, when I run, like, I, you know, uh, my partner and my business partner and I are running a program right now. And today someone was like, I think I'm interested, but maybe I want to take it next year. And I was like, oh, I cannot promise it will happen ever again. Right. Like I don't, I don't run my business. I run my well, business. I do not like show. that pressure. Like, nope. I just can't promise. Never. I just cannot promise, you know? So it's like, just if you want it now, you know, or else, you know, don't be too attached if it doesn't show up again. Um, but also like, yeah, my kids have to go to school on time, you know? And so um, we're close to it. And, and so I offer up order as different than control because control is that like tight energy, right? Control is the fear that if I'm not on time, my kids will be disappointed because they'll miss school and the teacher will judge me and I will have less time and think less things will get done. Everything will get out of order and the day will be lost, right? Whereas order is we have a routine in the morning and these are the what this is like the flow that we try to create for our day and we're piling into the car. And order doesn't have that same like tight in my chest pressure because or, can, order isn't really worried that I'm right or wrong, but control is really like a judgmental taskmaster. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I try to let order and chaos coexist by recognizing that sometimes my order will go out the window and kind of hold gently my plans. And I try to unhook from control when inevitably it shows up. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you like wrapped that up and helps dif- differentiate because like you said some people are probably like um no it's now yeah. i'm throwing away my my paper plan <laughs> <Okay>. today <laughs> i mean the day the, the chaotic part of your day i if i recall should be over at this point it's, it's it's done and it worked out just fine actually like what i was really worried about was this meeting and the meeting was superb oh and great super exciting so um yeah there was just a lot of emotion today. Right. Mm. And I I think I just dabbled on the top. I didn't. Mm. I don't yeah. know. I did cry this morning. You didn't know why. I was like, mm, I know someone very wise, spoiler alert, Tiffany, who would tell you to just let it all out. So <laughs> so then I went and got my box of Phoenixes. And, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. there we go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're getting close to time. Is there like any like final, and I say final because I'll probably laugh and be like, I said final 15 minutes ago. Are there any like final little delicious ways to wrap this up or a few little takeaways again around money abundance and that intersection of like accepting ourselves? Mm. There's one thing about money that we didn't talk on and I, I'll i drop it in here in case it's helpful because I think it it, it flows with the rest of the conversation. And it's this money is many things, but one of the things that money represents for us on like a bodily subconscious level is having our needs met. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because it's how we walk through the world and pay for our bills and buy presents for people and, you know, invest in our future. So money is deeply tied in our subconscious to the energy of having our needs met. Um, It's tied to other things, but for this moment, I want to speak to that. If you would like to rewrite your relationship with money, go to the places where you learned programming about your needs being met. In other words, Go look at your childhood with your parents and your primary caregivers and the ways in which they modeled, despite perhaps doing their best effort, a flawed experience of having your needs met, right? So using the example of codependency again, a lot of people who are codependent carry this idea that in order to have my needs met, I have to overgive, I have to sacrifice of myself, and then maybe I can get what I want. And then they continue to experience money as not quite being what they need, right? And having to overgive and overwork and exhaust themselves and never quite having enough because that's what they were programmed with when they were four, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's there's a really, really, really fertile ground there. And if you're looking to rewrite your story around money, I would really encourage you to literally like pick each, like pick, you know, parents, primary caregivers and look at, how did they model for me love, the conditions of that love, the conditions of meeting my needs, the conditions of creating safety? What did they show for me was required of me possible? And then look at your relationship with money and I guarantee you'll see parallels. Yeah. Um, and that begins to change things in a really, really, really big way. Yeah. And then feel the fucking feelings that show up, which is like, oh, I'm really bitter that my mom, whatever, <laughs> whatever the thing is. Yeah. Um, but uh I, I highly recommend that. It's a place that I return to again and again mm-hmm. um, because these things are cyclical. There's always, there's there's always more. So. No, that's, mm, that's I love this for like a million reasons. And I just want to like offer something like just like another, another point on like, <clears throat> take a look at how, your childhood and really like start to examine there because that's where like the foundation of things, of beliefs, and how we view ourselves like really are formed um one because those are our beginning experiences right it just makes sense for children two it also just has to do with like how the um, child human brain develops and how they take in the world and the life and the people in their world and life and then form opinions about themselves they will form up children will form opinions about themselves before they will look at our parents and be like gosh my mom is really being a B right now. Like they're going to be like, <laughs> I'm the terrible person right now. Right. Yeah. And so as a parent and a mother myself, especially with a child that is really transitioning into adulthood, I hear him talk about the things that I said to him that have really had an impact. So one of the things he said, and I was like, oh man, this is not what I meant. And there's some undoing that needs to happen here <laughs> is, um, you know, he, he just graduated. And so people are gifting him money as he makes this transition. And there were a few people that are like, we're just giving you this for now, but we know you need this thing. If you don't have enough to purchase it, come back, we will give you more. So when it got to the point where I'm like, Oh, you're a little short. Do you want to like, they'll give you more. They said, they give you more. If you don't want to spend your own money, then ask, no, I don't want to do that. And so we had this conversation and he was like, you always told me to not ask people for money. And I was like, I don't really remember saying that, mm-hmm. like say more. And basically what it was is I was trying to teach 
politeness and manners. And when you're six years old, don't go running to your friend's parents and be like, oh, will you go buy me this thing? Like, that's, <laughs> that's what I was like trying to teach. You, and yeah. it, like that's not how his six-year-old brain took that in. And so he's literally as a young adult, like being like, now I don't like accepting money from people because you made me feel like it was wrong. Mm. So my point in sharing this story is you, and you alluded to this, Kylie, our parents are doing the best that they could with where they were at, with the information that they had. And yeah, yeah, sometimes they did. Some of us do have parents and do have childhood experiences where the adults in our lives did not great things yeah, intentionally. Right. But a lot of times it, they're just, our parents are adults that were living their life to their best of the ability with the circumstances that they had and the knowledge that they had in front of them. And how have we taken what, what was said sometimes just in passing and was maybe misinterpreted and like made it this like hardcore, hard and fast gospel rule that now makes us unable to have the true desires and level of abundance in our life that we want. Yeah. Yeah. And we Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is a funny thing that's coming up in my mind, but my um, my my mom for her whole life was like, I don't like Cheez-Its because her because she had this memory of her mother being like, oh yeah, Cheez-Its are gross. And you know, you're a kid and you're in the phase of idolizing your parents. And so my mom was like, no, I don't like Cheez-Its because my mother doesn't like Cheez-Its. And then one day they were like at the beach and my Nana was like chomping on some Cheez-Its. And my mom was like, fuck. <laughs> like her whole and world my, my grandmother was like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Do you want some? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 Also yeah, our parents it. and that's yeah. like, that I mean it's the truth. It's the the truth. And like you were saying like that's not even Melissa what you were telling him, but right. that's how it was in- inputted. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah, even that's mean like that how that's his... what you were being told and the implement the it just was implemented differently, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it's your stories. Oh, sorry Tiffany. Your story is also a really beautiful example of the magic of allowing, right? Because you gave your son permission to speak to what was coming up for him. And then in that allowing, I mean, you're playing it out as two people, but it's the same process internally, right? It's like, I'm afraid to ask for money because it seems like the wrong thing to do. And you can make space for why. And then you get the opportunity to present a different path. Mm -hmm. But that's basically the same internal dialogue that you get to have with allowing. So I think you're also reinforcing like, the answer is always to allow what, what is the fear? What's living under the fear? What happens if I like witness it? And then can I move differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Also, can we just have like a quick chat on what all like, I, cause I kind of mentioned this at the beginning when we refer to upon abundance, we aren't just mm-hmm. referring to like money and wealth. Like there is abundance of the time that you are allowing yourself, like how you're prioritizing, like, you time like I don't know what are other ways that we would explain abundance do you want to go first Tiffany oh go ahead okay um uh I love this question and one of the biggest things for me is um not being stressed about my business so Mm -hmm. there have there were phases where in my whole life where I had plenty of money. And also I was so neurotic about it. 
right? There were periods where my business was doing well and I was so still hooked into my value in the world is proven by the work that I do that I couldn't really relish it fully because I was kind of still in the space of like, got to get the next hit, got to get the next hit. Mm -hmm. And so for me, in some ways, abundance is about the like safety of being still where I am and letting that be enough um, rather than constantly scrambling to like keep proving to myself that I'm enough and proving that. And like, which of course is proving like the feeling of never quite being enough. Um, and so a lot of abundance for me, I think is about like feeling safety in my body and feeling trust that wherever I move, I'm taken care of. And like abundance lives inside of me instead of a thing that shows up, mm -hmm. right? It, the external can reflect it, but I've had periods where I had comfortable amounts of money, but didn't feel comfortable. And I've had periods where I didn't have as much money as I would like, but I felt comfortable because I was yeah. experiencing something deeper inside of me. Um, and I think, um, I think ultimately that's, that's the abundance that I want. And to go to the point that I made in like the very beginning, I don't think you have to sacrifice material abundance to have that uh, internal abundance, but I do think unhooking from yes. the validation of it is kind of a key piece to experiencing both at the same time. Yes. I love, I love the way that you said this. Like, I love that the definition of abundance that I heard and what I'm going to take away with is abundance is the safety to, of having my needs met. Mm, yeah yeah because like if you think yeah. about it like an example of somebody that has a scarcity mindset versus abundance is someone that isn't going to let you in the merge lane of traffic a person <laughs> not letting you in has a scarcity mindset <laughs> tiffany and i had this conversation one day on the highway yes yes but i mean that's i mean if you think about it like that's like what it is yeah. right like I got to get there first because otherwise my needs, if I don't fight for them, my needs don't get met. So fuck everybody else. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I also want to like use this as an opportunity to like offer if this isn't something somebody's considered or remind if it is that ultimately things and people, the things that we want and we receive and the people in our lives and the way that they love on us. And I'm using air quotes here. Isn't going to feel the same if we don't feel love within ourselves for ourselves, if we don't feel the safety and security within ourselves, if we can't, if we are at a point in life where it is, we're riding the struggle bus a little bit to really feel happy within ourselves, then the things and the people aren't going to be able to fill those voids. I've had this conversation with a client more than once. Like, it sounds like you're getting all the love and the accolades, can I challenge you by saying, do you feel those things yourself? Because if you don't, it doesn't matter if a million people send you adoring fan letters at the end of the day, you don't believe that to be true. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it all goes back to like the true North. It's mm -hmm. like what you're saying. Like I, when you're feeling abundant, you are walking in your true North or your true self. You're walking in um, alignment with who you are and where you're moving forward to. But also understanding that alignment is also like a super squiggly line. Mm. Like it flows That's like good. a river. I mean, yeah. And you can be there and then not be there. Like it's the ocean. But when you're in it, that's where you're at. That's yeah. right. It's, it's like being on the lazy place. river. 
Yeah. As opposed to the crazy rabbits that you need the helmet and the life vest <laughs> and the rain. Unless for. you're a thrill seeker, like right, you right. know, you might enjoy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. All right. Well, any anything else, ladies, before we wrap up and do like our final question? I mean, I could talk to you guys for hours. This is delicious. I know. I yeah. love these like really deep like new realization like almost like spiritually philosophical conversations like I mean, they are my those are my favorite <laughs> they're my absolute favorite this like these so... kinds of conversations are part of why um like tiffany and i say you're going to have new re- realizations and you're going to become new like because you're going to have mm-hmm. aha moments and then you come out of it and it's probably that is totally something that we like realized in our dialogues and discussions with you, but it's, it's so true. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I still sit here going, my brain is still thinking, okay. Oh, <laughs> you're still talking. I'm like, what haven't I taken of that? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> so it just like, you just have to hear it over and over and over again. And then you catch one little bit and you're like, okay, I can do I that. that. One you little bit, but I, I love- can't do the whole thing. <laughs> Like one statement sometimes has the depth that every time you hear it, you become a new version of yourself. Like that's my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final wrap up question. The one we, we do when we have guests is what is one thing that you've done in the last week to put yourself first, to prioritize you, to choose you? I really love so, this question. I, I was thinking, and I always like say things, and I'm like, well, was that really me, or was that just like to have fun? But I feel like to have fun is like prioritizing me, and also like we don't always we haven't had like a family vacation, so we've been doing a lot of like little things. And this weekend we went to what's called the Como Zoo. It's just a a nice, it's a pretty big zoo around here, and we had so much fun we've been having more fun lately as a family because it's like the stress of like our family vacations has like minimized so much that we can actually have fun doing the the thing can I just take a moment to point out why I think that's happening well sure to be typical (laughs) me no one can see me leaning real close in to look at you here I think it goes back to the lovely comment that your husband made about how he has noticed how you are happier and you're doing things that really bring you joy and make you happy. And it's like, it's been this whole family dynamic, the ripple effect. It's been a whole family dynamic. Yeah. Cause like we would normally go there and I'd be like, my God. But also I feel like on money too, I would have been like, nope, we can't have that um, icy. Nope, we can't have this thing because all oh, that costs money and we're not going to buy anything here. And you know, it was so fun to say, yeah, of course we're going to go there. And of course we're going to have one of these things. And of course I'm still going to have abundance and money that comes in. And I'm going to allow that and and be so happy in that and not like, 
dwell in the, oh my God, now I just spent $20 on two ices and I had to have dots, like the ice cream dots, because I've never had them before because they've been too expensive. And I'm just like, mm. and now I can know, probably won't do it again, but I did. And I'm how many years old before I've ever tried them because they were too expensive to actually do at a place. So I had slushies and we had dots at the zoo. So that's what I did. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I really love that. I also never got Dippin' Dots growing up. Our parents were like, no way. We cannot afford the ice cream Dippin' mm -hmm. Dots. And uh, I still have never had them. But my kids had them at the, I think also at the zoo with their grandparents recently. And my husband and I were both like, what in the, like, our kids are living in an entirely different universe than we grew up in. They get Dippin' Dots, like best life for them. Right? <laughs> I know. I know. I am just like, and Hayden's like, I can't wait to go back because that's where he gets slushies, you know? <laughs> mm, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that story. Yeah, um, Do you want to go next, Kylie, or do you want me to go next? Either way. Well, um, I will go. And my answer to this question may seem weird, but also is in very much alignment with a lot of what we've talked about today. So both Kylie and Tiffany know this, but I had a son leave for college this week and he didn't go far. He's, his college is in my town, um, but it's a huge transition in life. And so one of the ways that I chose me and prioritized me is by allowing myself to feel the feelings that were coming up and not gaslighting myself, which I will admit I started to do because I have lots of mom friends that's kiddos are going states and states away to college. And my kiddo is actually, he literally said this to me and he's not wrong. He's like, mom, I'm closer to your house now living in the dorms than I was when I was living with dad. Because <laughs> I split custody with my kids and he's not wrong. And so for a while I was like, oh, you, you can't be this sad because at least he's still close. And um, very quickly caught myself in that thought pattern and um, told myself to knock it off. And so I've just like allowed myself to feel the feelings. Um, cause a, that's important. And it, I need to practice what I preach. Right. <laughs> but also, <laughs> um, I'm learning a lot about myself and being a mother mm. and parenting in this new, in this new phase. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not um, as, it's not as happy going to the zoo as Tiffany's, but, um, I would have not faced it I wouldn't have handled it the same way that I am before and so you would have gaslit yourself the whole entire way mm -hmm. and like bullied through it and then mm -hmm. it would have like bullied you later mm -hmm. and yeah. continued and yep. yep yep and I bet part of what you're getting like I'm sure there's grief and probably tears but I bet you're also getting to experience just how much you love your son yeah you're probably like, like feeling a, yeah like oh and just different yeah. Wait, because I'm, Ooh, what's happening is I'm watching him become an adult. So I'm watching the things that I instilled in him mm. and sure. There's the obvious ones. Like, you know what I mean? Where you teach your kids, like quote unquote, we sat and talked about how there is no right, wrong, but you teach your kids right, wrong. Right. right. That's the paradox. <laughs> yep. Um, but also him being like, I, I had two jobs and it was too much and I had to leave one and I'm feeling really, I'm really struggling with it, mom. And I went back and forth on it and like watching him actually utilize the skills that mm. I've modeled and I didn't actively teach him and that mm. he just picked up on 
by being in my space and my energy and hearing the things that I talk about and him just picking up on those things. And so his maturity is something to definitely be proud of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yay, mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll take that pat on the back. Yeah. That's yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, so mine is also about parenting. My kids are three and five, so different, different, uh, different landscape. And my husband this week had the rare occasion of like multiple nights in a row had something to do. My husband will go like, I mean, it feels like years sometimes without making plans with his friends. So the fact that he had like three nights in a row where one was a work thing and then the other two were like different friend hangouts. Uh, and I was so psyched for him, right? Because he is like, he's like the weight of our family on his shoulders kind of person. And, and so I was really, really, really excited. And I was like, yes, I will take, put the, both kids to bed three, those, all those nights, like not a problem at all. Go. Um, and first of all, I was really just like proud of myself because I really let putting like bedtime with my kids just be really fun. Like, my kids like let's make it up. Like, I am totally, you know, when you were a kid, if you grew up in like a heteronormative family and your dad put you to bed and you had like TV dinners and stayed up too late and like maybe didn't brush your teeth before bed. Yes. That's me. That's that. <laughs> I am that parent. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, my kid, my son was like, we're going to have a party. And I was like, yeah, we are. So anyway, I was just like, you know, to the point earlier about like control versus order. Like I felt like, I could have made it a stressful thing. And instead, like I really had so much fun with my kids and they went to bed too late. And also like we were cracking up and having dance parties and laughing about stinky farts. Like it was great. It was everything you want with your little <laughs> kids. Um, and then on the third day, uh, we all hung out as a family this Saturday. So we all, I think we went, we did, I forget what we did. We did something fun as a family. And then we were all back home. Uh, and my husband was like playing with the kids. And all of a sudden I was like, it was like really, really fun. It was again another moment of like the whole family's having fun. And also I thought, I'm a little burnt out. And like, mm -hmm. this is all really fun. And also I've been on extra and I don't want to be on. I like, I don't want to be on. And there was a part of me that was like, but this is fun and making memories and show up and be here. And there was another part of me that was like, or you could leave. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said to my husband, like, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Give me get a pedicure I don't know what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna go and he was like okay and I took myself out to dinner and I bought a like super fancy salad with salmon that was too expensive and very delicious and I read my book the whole time and I texted some friends and uh I felt really like for everything I just said for these like 90 minutes podcasts of like making nothing wrong mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to do that in motherhood I still yeah. really put a lot of pressures on myself to not fuck it up and to be exactly right and to be perfect so um this uh, and like cherish every single second so the fact that I was like yeah we're having a great time and also bye um <laughs> <laughs> felt like I, I was really proud of myself for that so yeah and you my... are able to enjoy your time away yeah like, I think that's like the big thing like you didn't you left you did that but you were able mm. to enjoy when you were away and not be like oh my gosh I should have done that like giving mm. yourself like the yeah. Right. I didn't like kind of like then just keep a bunch of guilt on it so that it right. was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. So, um, it I was really fun. feel like the paradox you, you shared about how like no thing is wrong, but also like that it's a, that is a struggle for you. And that shows up most in like mothering and parenting. I think part of that is the paradox we live in as energy movers. 
and working with people on childhood inner child <laughs> like the junk that gets stuck in our systems because like I literally am like everything I say is just fucking you off like there's no way around it I say that to my husband all the time I was like literally like all day long all I help people with is unpacking the like ways yes. their parents fuck them up and so like I can see what I'm already doing to these kids yeah mm-hmm. and also at the same time yeah being someone whose whole like message is deeply rooted and personal journey is deeply rooted in like making no thing wrong and then also being like you can't fucking hit your sister, right? <laughs> like yeah. that is also a wild paradox. It is a really interesting thing to try to move through of and um I'm a words person, but like three and five year olds don't want to talk about philosophy. So like how to like allow them to exist and not make them wrong and also set boundaries and also make myself it, yes, I have like I have figured none of that out. It continues to be my <laughs> learning playground. Yes. Yep, I'm with you there. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I wish I could go back and cancel, 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 cancel. Yeah, right. And then like mm. input right wordage here. <laughs> right. I feel that input cheese its are fine here. Yeah. I do mean they're fine. <laughs> it's okay to take money Except from people money. that like yeah that are offering it. Offered it. it. Yeah. yeah. What if, what if they can't what if they can't really afford it? That is not your problem, son. They yeah. said they would give it. They they have yeah. the choice to say no. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. all right, ladies. This was delicious as mm-hmm. Well, it's always as per usual when, when Tiffany and I talk, but it's extra delicious as per usual when we are chatting with you, Kylie. So thank you so much. Really fun. Thank yeah. you. So yeah. for those of you that want, maybe would want a little taste and flavor of Kylie for yourself, as I mentioned, she is a co-host with her gal pal, um, Eva, um, and the um, Hello Universe podcast. And then um, Kylie has all sorts of delicious opportunities to work with her. So we will share information about her Facebook group and her how you can get in contact with her in our show notes. So check can that I out. Can I share one particular thing? Can yes, I just like drop a pitch do. for something? Yeah. So yes, definitely. If you like this podcast, come listen to me and Eva on Hello Universe. It's very fun and very similar to what everything that happened here. Yeah. Um, and then uh, October 30th, my mm-hmm. other partner in crime is a friend of mine named uh, Liz Simpson, who Melissa in particular knows very well. Yeah. And um, we do something once a month called Magic Circle. And it's super potent, super deep, super wild, activating magic. This is like really this has been the playground for nothing is wrong, remembering that you're infinite, dissolving the limits. Like it's it is one of my favorite things to do each month. And uh, we are making it extra fucking witchy and great on October 30th like it's Halloween magic circle so I will be talking about all my favorite monsters in the lead up to October 30th magic circle and um you can participate as an ongoing membership but you also can just like taste it out and buy a single ticket if you are curious about um, how to embody all the things we've been talking about. If you would like to access like an activation and an embodiment of it, come to Magic Circle. It's so much fun. Highly recommend Magis- Magic Circle. And if you want an opportunity to be in a space with me too, I am a member yeah. of Magic Circle. So I participate, I have a membership. So I- I'm there every month. Um, yeah, highly recommend. It is definitely a, my human brain cannot handle this, but something in my body can. <laughs> like it cannot take in this vast it's it's so delicious it's yeah. like a 
it, it it's what an hour hour and a half of like just delicious activation and then it's like the three days after that it's like watching a flower blossom inside of you people i say i we continue to be it continues to be impossible to explain i'm like it i don't know true. just come just come experience it i can't explain it i've been doing it almost a year and i still have no idea how to explain it but it's great yeah love it all right yeah we'll have information about how you can sign up for that too in the show notes so wonderful thank you all right mm-hmm. we will um catch all of our listeners on the next episode thanks again kylie for being here yes thank you 